podcast in space we're not actually in space actually we are in space we're on the earth which is traveling at a velocity in (laughs) i'm sorry i missed that number it was a really big number you your 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 uneducated mind could not comprehend it that made it I had comments and they all went away. <laughs> well, we are traveling at a velocity. We are a particular velocity in space. A very important velocity. Many people have to remember that number. Apparently, John not, doesn't. John's not. Well, one of I'm them. not an astrophysicist, so it's not like an important Thank, number to me. It's true. Thank goodness. We are spinning at about 900 miles an hour. That's really fast. Yeah, it's a spin, but that's not even counting around the sun. So that's just a velocity. We'll we'll leave it at that. But then again, from my point of view, staying right here, everything else is moving. It's all relative. Thanks, Einstein. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, big my news. My relatives are relative. <laughs> <laughs> I have relatives. Anyway, big news, everybody. You might as well continue with that big news. Um, so, uh, big news. Uh, after months and months of deliberation and strife, we're finally going to be back on iTunes. We were able to fix the RSS feed I resubmitted it to iTunes today as we are recording. They said within 24 hours it should be up online and searchable. So, Which means there could still be a problem in these 24 hours. So by the time this podcast is up, you could be wrong. But we, we should be on. Please check and let us know. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, please go ahead and check us out on iTunes. Subscribe. Hopefully. Leave a review. That would be fantabulous. Um, fantabulous isn't a word. Sure it is. No, 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 I make up words. That's not a word. Uh, I went on Urban Dictionary this morning, and that is a word. See. Wow, Steve's on my side for change. Also, um, this Thursday at the Way Station, the Wasties are playing, 9 o'clock. So come check that out. If you haven't seen them, they are a ton of fun to go see. And um, that's really it on the uh, pre-album news and announcements you used to be a lot better at news like in episode one <laughs> i kind of want the, 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 you to put in the news bulletin thing oh yeah i'll, 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 I'll write it you should you i'll should. write one yeah write one i was gonna say you have to write one because that, that you know yeah, that's that's an interesting piece of music facts because that's what we do john williams wrote the nbc theme i knew that actually i don't know why but i knew that i remember hearing that before then john john williams wrote the nbc theme that is an amazing factoid, and I'm so happy you did, for you to share that with me. I'm so glad to have shared it with you and enriched your life with it. I also found out today from you that he wrote Pee Wee Herman's... Uh, that no. was not him. That was Danny Elfman. Oh, that was Elfman. Oh, yeah. Strike that. Reverse it. Danny Elfman's <laughs> first soundtrack uh, co- composition was for Pee Wee's Big Adventure. There we are. Anyway, let's... And there we are. Let's uh, jump into our album this week, which is John's Pick. This week, we delved into Math Rock. Math Rock was created... Usually one starts with the name of the album that we're reviewing. I'm leading up to that. Oh, okay. Let him do it his way. Oh, God. 
dead air. <laughs> Nat- Math Rock better, was better, a better. mid to late eighties create, uh, not eighties, mid to late nineties creation uh, of rock and roll that came from experimental indie. It was its its themes are atypical rhythm structure, angular melodies, dissident chords, odd time signatures. This is these are the big things that make it separate from other styles of rock because it's it's the core foundation. It's kind of the principle of prog rock, but at the same time, it's using different styles. Prog was born out of 70s, so you had 70s rock themes to work with, uh, major 70s bands. And today, we have indie seems to be the most prevalent rock genre. If you're going to go straight to the core of what rock is, that's kind of the most prevalent rock genre throughout the 2000s. So, math rock kind of furthered that and said, let's take that to the next logical, insane level. Now, uh, math rock's also very big on drums. Drums tend to take a, a, a forefront role in a lot of the music that's created. They're very unusual, experimental, and fast-paced in a lot of cases. It also tends to use tapping guitars, which is just tapping the strings instead of fully strumming or plucking them. Now, are you sure that's math rock uh, throughout, or is that spe- our specific uh, artist today... No, it's math rock throughout. It's not, it's not ubiquitous, but it's very prevalent in the genre. Gotcha. And speaking of the person we're doing today, Marnie Stern. Marnie Stern uh, has been around since about 07. She actually came into math rock after its death. It only lasted about 10 years. This is her fourth album, Chronicles of Marnia. Clever. I like it. Uh, I think so. That's part of the reason it caught my eye. Or no, ear. no other reason. Or yeah, ear. Or ear. Yeah, I guess ear. We we don't, we we're tech. We technically don't have visual senses. This is a podcast, as it were. Well, yes. we have them, but they. Can't. It, it's irrelevant, though. It's absolutely irrelevant. Okay, next podcast, I'm doing blindfolded. Just like to it. make a point. I like it. Yes, I like it, and That's... and they won't know you're making that point, but it's important that we make it. Well, we'll, we'll probably pro- point it out because we always point out the physical on the audio podcast yes. anyway. Mr. Plus, Rick I won't be able ball. to read my notes. Oh, <laughs> you have kinks to work out yes. in other words well you'll okay. just cut eye holes in the blindfold and then it'll be a mask anyway no it'll be a Jewish cheat a Jewish eye fold is that a thing no <laughs> anyway uh, no such thing the orthodoxists will get that <laughs> Marnie Stern first track is Year of the Glad so this album it uh, starts off very interestingly. <laughs> yes. I just, he pulls right back. He can't even I dive can't, in. I can't. I can't. So, like, we pretty much all had this... did that, though. We, we all had the same reaction, pretty much. The first track, it's one of those, you turn on the album and just kind of go, wait, what? It has a very unusual vocal <clears throat> progression. I, it, I really it, thought the first time I heard the first track that it was in another language, that it wasn't English. It's reminiscent. I was close to thinking that it was at least an accent, um... I thought it was Australian or something at first. Uh, J-pop comes to mind. We're, we're American, could you tell? J-pop comes to mind almost immediately, which is one of the things uh, Japanese rock, uh, noise rock and Japanese pop borrows heavily from math rock. So this is not an unusual piece, and but it's really When interesting. it comes right down to it, I think it's also just her, her natural vocals. I mean, she's got this very light and airy voice with kind of a punch to it. And I actually, I mean, the band is uh, from Marty Swope, the artist and the band. They're all from uh, the Midwest. 
I believe. I'm yes. not positive about that, but... And in fact, a lot of math rock bands are from the Midwest. Uh, the breadbasket of the U.S. spawned it. There you are. Well, I guess there's not much else to do around there. Well, oh, uh, that make music? Oh, oh. It's because the Midwest... Math rock bands unite against Matt. All oh. five of them. <laughs> no, let's write that. <laughs> Um, no, it's because indie rock itself was very prevalent in the Midwest. And being a part of it, it, it just spawned. But back to Year of the Glad. Okay, there was a lot of e e e e ah 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 going on. That was the weird part of the song. With, it, it's not, it's, it's, it's almost like birds chirping. Kind of. Yes. It's, it's, um, it's Deranged a little bit... Deranged mutant birds. <laughs> See, I actually, I, I, I would take a different approach. I would call it kind of cute in its way. Oh, no, yeah. This is why, like, not just birds, but birdies. They're chirping. Well, it sounded like, that's why This I, is why I liken it to J-pop. Yeah, J-pop, that's exactly J-pop the is, connection I made. is very much, you know, it's, it's... Very cutesy. It's teeny bopper stuff and whatnot. Which, not to say that this song, or especially not this album, is anything close to teeny bopper stuff, but it's that style of singing that is just so playful. I mean, yeah. there's... Very little else you can think about it. And the first, it, it, she chose it as the first track, so I imagine it was a little bit, you know, shock and awe. Is what well, yeah, going and for. also, I mean, the arrangement is so unique. Even within the very first moments of the song, you already know you're getting something unlike anything you've heard anytime soon, unless you're an active math rock fan. And I guess. that that the big component was the speed of the drums. This is that was like, a major part of this, this is song. like indie rock heaven. I mean, for all the indie kids, here's something to really make your neck hair stand up. It was just... And something you probably won't understand as a basic indie kid. This is a little bit out of the average person's uh, grasp, perhaps. Well, well I don't uh, say average person, but the, the, the very casual music listener. This is for people that enjoy intensity, enjoy complexity, all the crazy time signatures, all that stuff going on. It's, uh, it's up there. At first when we heard this track, I couldn't even think of a... I couldn't even decide at that moment whether it was a good or a bad intro. I only wrote that it was a strange intro track. Yeah. But, but upon examination afterwards and having listened to the whole album, I think the shock and awe kind of impact of this song works as a very good intro track because it, it pulls you in. It's, it pulls it gets you your in. Attention. It's memorable. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. It gets stuck in your head whether you like it or not. Because I could easily see with the wrong audience, I could see this grading a few people. This- I mean... It's possible. This song well, rides. The... This song rides the edge between annoying and inspired. It really. It can very easily go one way or the other, during the same and, listen. And and uh, I'll go with what you said earlier. A touch of avant, a little bit of a avant nature to, at least her her manner of singing. And also, quality has little to do with a song being catchy, because we all know songs can get stuck in your head that are terrible. It's just, it's got to have that it factor that gets stuck in your head, that hook, and this had it. The, the Considering it was right in the line, I, I do say this had it. Yeah. It had it. Had it. <laughs> the it. it. Whatever the it was, it had it. It had it. Um, but, and also I should pull back a little bit. The crazy time signatures, I mean, they do, they do kind of, at first I was, you know, it seems like a straightforward song in terms of form at first, but there's some funny things that they do, like later on. You know, you start. It starts out with a very basic four-four verse chorus, and then it moves into this like six-four interlude. And the real interesting part of this song, which I think is is a credit to the type of stuff that the artist comes up with, is when all the instruments pull away, and it's just her chorusing over herself with just the two voices. Um, actually, the instruments didn't pull away. I'm sorry, that's the next track. But the two voices, she kind of 
overlays herself, and she does that considerably throughout this album. Mm-hmm. And she creates this dissonance, like right, you know, because most of this is is in uh, is in F major, and she creates this dissonance right on the fifth at C, and she goes back and forth between C, D, B. It's like right in there, and as as the other voice comes over to layer that, it sort of does the opposite thing. So you're stuck in these really really tight intervals, and you get this this really compact dissonance. It's even more grating, perhaps, for the wrong audience, but really, really interesting to the person who's interested in indie rock pushing the boundaries. And this pushes more than the boundaries. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting way to do it. And probably this album, the first time since Steam Power Draft that we have very interesting harmonies, except these harmonies are all by the same person harmonizing with herself, which makes it even more interesting, I think. Yeah. She does a great job. She's got a very... Um, she has a beautiful voice. She really does. Lyrics take a backseat in this album, and because, that's in only because the, the the music. You know, this is almost like the God sticks argument that you made. It's like when the music is so is so almost overbearing. You 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 can't avoid it. You're not really gonna be sitting there listening to. Oh yeah, I really feel what she's saying. Yeah, which is not a discredit to the time that she took to write those lyrics. It's just that. I treat her voice as an instrument, a beautiful instrument. Yeah, but there are moments on this record where her lyrics shine through, and they're very good, too. Yeah, they are, they are. But in this particular case, especially no, when yeah, you're talking about E's and oohs and ah, yeah. that's a, that's a soundbite right no, there. No, of course, yeah. You know, it's used that way. All right, let's move on to the second track, You Don't Turn Down. This so, is... after being thrown off by the first track, this is where I got really hooked. This, this oh, the, the intro. solid intro, the it's a very great ethereal guitar. guitar riff. Ethereal guitar yeah. riff. Um, it's the song has, on the whole, the overall. The song has a very in-your-face attitude about itself. But unlike one of the, the I can't remember which song it was last week, by Nine Snails. This isn't a false bravado. This is very in-your-face, and it it's got an attitude to back it up. It really, especially in the chorus. I love the lyrics in the chorus. This this song also had. Uh, I'll get back to the lyrics in a minute, but three really distinct aspects distinct melodies in the song it was a three-parted song this is uh it, not even so much three-part i would actually call it uh a ternary form with an intro and an outro a wedded form ternary form aba where you're in i mean first of all you have the riff the intro and then and then it kind of dies into this e power chord right it's a very strong power chord that's in four and then we move through these little gritty E minor rock feel, you know, you're you're getting a little bit more serious. And then she dives into this very thin A E minor. It's more like a um it's almost like a southern rock feel, I want to say. Did anybody get that vibe for that I... for that verse section? Yeah. Cuz it could yeah. be called the verse very really yeah. simply. Although we already had a long conversation about how the first chorus in this album is not quite as defined as other albums. Yeah. But this is the A section. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I call it turn form is because this returns once more at the end of the album. Yeah, yeah. As, you know, the verse would do. So, at you know, you could, you could call this verse-chorus-verse, but it's tough for me to really call the B section the chorus. Because it's so... That, that, that heavy section, that really, like, upbeat, dancey section, that is... That's almost like a... Has a life out into itself. Not in the same way that a chorus does, which is supposed to, like, kind of gather everybody together. It's an independent thing. Yeah. It almost feels like it could have come back again, but... 
Yeah, but I mean, shouldn't that, have. I'm not sure. But the lines that that are repeated, that that the especially where the attitude I'm talking about come from, that feels very chorusy. You know, it feels very. Then much it like was. A, then it was actually a chorus verse chorus. Yeah. In in some ways, the lines. Uh, I don't know if I could go that far because I I feel it doesn't feel as as intense. The um lyrically. it feels very. Okay, lyrically. Lyrically, maybe, maybe I'm lyrically. talking with, lyrically. All right, well, let's talk about this section by section then. That A section, first of all, it's very thin. As I said, it just goes between two chords. It goes between E minor and A major. And it just goes back and forth, or it could even just be a thinner power chord. And to go along with that southern rock feel, I would almost bump that up a notch toward the punk era as well. Okay, kind yeah, of I had that vibe that. going for me as well. Like in the guitars, I can punky, see it a bit. Grunge, kind of, you know. But it is thin. It's thin for this album. Uh, really, just those two chords, yeah. and and the focus is on her voice. And then it just gives way to that B section, which is, is it's ah, <laughs> like it it's night and day. Yeah. When you really think about it. But it's one of those one things. One is so thin, and one is so busy. But it's so it's not night and day, and it's fact that it's. They feel unrelated. They yet still feel connected. They do feel connected somehow. It's, it doesn't have the same connection. Clever transition. Yeah. Later, later on the album, the transitions are extremely fluid and extremely living. If anything, these were a little more separate. The pieces, the the, the sections themselves are a little <laughs> more separate and distinct. They don't quite mesh the same way. And it's a, it is a little bit jarring. I think it's because of the transition, to be honest. The transition is the reason... Um, you know what? I, I don't even know if I could say that. This actually was... This was an island in the early half of this album. Because I think that's something we should say... Would have, should have really said up front. Is that there's an arc to this album that songs do appear to gain more soul as they go on toward the end. The whole second And half. more cohesion. Oh. In more... more tightness in those transitions but i i'm gonna defend track two yeah. as an island in this early the, the album is a t- solid 10 track and track six the title track on is where it gains starts to really gain that soul but i will agree that two fit would have fit it would is it, an two, island two would have fit better at the end well i don't want to say no, that exactly. because actually, actually actually two two enhances the overall <laughs> feel of this uh so if if perhaps the choice was to place track two early on because it felt a little bit sporadic, then I think it was a very well well timed choice. But I agree. Back to those transitions. What really makes this a stunning transition to me, I think, is because of the chorusing that she does with her voice again. It's very similar to what she did in track one, which shows that that's going to be a recurring feature, um, where she takes her own voice and then she layers herself against it, and it alternates back and forth with this weird phasing effect, which is is just brilliant. And then she dives into that really heavy rock bit. It's it, it was really gripping for me the first was, time I heard it. It was also gripping in the words themselves. This was uh, some some of the better lyrical work on the album, uh, especially for the first half. Echoes coming down the hallway. Time is up, I heard them say. Old ideas glowing through the doorway with the fear creeping in. And I'm losing hope in my body, losing hope in my body. There you are. And that's the, the the losing hope of my body bit is the part that really conveyed that attitude that was really building had, in the song. She really song. had yeah, that soulful nature in those words that that caught you. That really this is the first time you get a sense of emotion in this song in, the, in this album with this song. It's not even a clear cut emotion. It's just you kind of feel some semblance of 
passion and intensity, but it's intensity. It's not yes, clear. you can't tell if it's a positive emotion or a negative. negative. Yeah, it's just track one was intense. Glee. That's really what promo- this no. is. This is this has a lot more depth to it. Yeah. That, There's more layers. That specific lyric that you mentioned, I think, is the reason why why that B section holds such an independent feel to me, yeah. and why I can't quite call it a chorus because there's just not, there's such a personal element there that it, it feels independent of the rest. I guess I, I meant it was a chorus lyrically, but I can understand what you mean. I don't know. I just feel like the it's, way the lines so, repeated and it's and it's repeated again think, later. Think about you know the way certain songs flow. There's yeah. always that moment which seems like it's reaching out, reaching out to the rest of, yeah. of humanity almost. You know that's typically what we call the chorus. And then there's that moment where the song seems to almost get introverted. Like yeah. it's 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 in its own, it's in its own thing. You don't want to bother it. Just let it let it go through the motions. And sometimes that's when it's really at its best. Uh, and that's really why I got to call this a B section right. as opposed to just this worldly, you, you know, grab so hands, words, join Kumbaya chorus. In other words, this song is an intro, verse, 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 outro. To some, I don't, I don't know. You got the extra verse in there. There's because there's no oh chorus. two verses. Well, you made a, ver- a whole separate verse. Verse A, verse B. It really. This is why in classical terminology we call it ternary form. It's A B A. It's very simple. It doesn't have to. That's the that's a broad term right there, ternary. You this know? song doesn't need to conform to your stereotypes, man. I guess not, because <laughs> actually ter- ternary probably wouldn't have an intro or an outro. So I I am letting it, letting it breathe, Matt. Thank you. Anyway, moving on to the next track. Track three is Noonan. So this track, <laughs> trying to describe. Wait it. Wait a second. You didn't mention the the outro on the previous track. I was less impressed with the outro than the intro. I was much more impressed with the outro. Really? I liked the intro more on the last track. Bull. <laughs> what do you mean I'm bull? arguing that straight up. No, I like the simplicity of the intro more than, than the outro. The fact that you're rushing this is, is so shocking to me. The outro is so gentle. It almost like the song flipped on itself. Mm. Eh. No, it, it, it occurs... I'm feeling it. At the same, I, I did not feel it to the same extent. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, if this is a point of contention, I'll just put it out there and say that it, it's right at that outro. As soon as uh, she finishes the last A section, she goes into this D major 7 chord where the guitar is slowly cycling through itself, just cycling through all the different components of that chord, note by note, and putting it all over a pedal of A. And it's just gorgeous. Meanwhile, she keeps doing her chorusing effect where she goes up and down. And that too bounces over itself. I think that was absolutely beautiful, and it had almost a post-rock feel that I didn't see anywhere else in this album. I was almost a bit disappointed that I didn't see it anywhere else in this album, but still, it it was the alluring moment. At the end of track two, this is what told me I was going to be really interested in everything else she was going to say. Putting it out there. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, I just, I don't know, it didn't I mean, affect if it, if me. If it didn't affect you, you... I don't think it affected me as much as it did you. I, I liked it, I thought it was pretty, but I was more dr- drawn in by the intro than I was affected by the outro. I'll play for you later, you'll agree. Track three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Noonan. Noonan was a cohesive combination of contained clusters. That didn't sound Anything at all about... scripted. No, not at all. Not at all. Not no, at all. But that one had to be written I don't know, me and Steve were riffing back and forth, and we came up with a... Alliteration of ridiculousness. By, yeah, but no, by sections, it had some of my favorite tapping drum combinations, but there was uh, there was no glue. 
the, and the problem with this is it was kind of, this was the kind of a continuous dance. It, it was, it was just, uh, it's hard to describe. Like there was only a couple moments in this track which I felt were really like reaching out to me, and those may have been like the guitar that holds this this uh, this high note every once in a while. It's like this seventh de- scale degree, and it just hangs over the rest. Like, that's an intriguing moment. But when yeah. you consider the rest of the track, it's all just a lot of, you know, just a dance. The guitars are used almost as, as backdrop, you it, know. It almost that. becomes too cluttered. Well, that's a funny... That's, that's why it's funny that you were using the cluttered terminology, because clutter almost implies that it's going through so many sections that you can't keep a track of. And there's other songs... That are more cluttered that than that. do that more so, exactly. Yeah. This is almost... It's almost cluttered for the opposite reason. It's one section that is kind of just loud front to back. Yeah. It's not that I didn't like this track. It's just that there, because it's so consistent in that regard, it doesn't have the hook. Yeah, it was... It doesn't, it doesn't breathe in order to have the hook. Yeah. But there is still a nice melody there. And I there mean, are moments in the this song. This entire album nice. has, has awesome melodies. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's much else to say about this track. It was just... You know, I mean, the lyrics were okay. It, it, nothing really stood nothing out. Nothing gripping. It, yeah. it was getting... It, you weren't focusing it's on kind the lyrics. Of, it, you were focusing, focusing on her vocal No, I'm work. okay. You tried to rush through the last track and rush through that outro. Well, guess what? I'm going to rush through this one. I'm okay with that. <laughs> There's you, really not one, much to say. This one, Damn it, no this argument. One, this one kind of fell flat. Yeah. It wasn't bad by any means, but it just didn't really grip us. The next track, track four, Nothing Is Easy. So this one had, the first time we heard this kind of... Really heard this tapping guitar intro that was almost... Who or U two esque, like it was larger very, than life. Yeah, it was really, it was almost arena rock. Almost, yeah. Uh, you know, I I likened it to something else, and that was, at least in terms of the in terms of the verse structure, if you can call it a verse. Again, we're gonna have that discrepancy. I got almost a gospel feel out of the chord structures, uh, early on in this track, like not gospel in the overt, like you know, you're sitting in church kind of sense. But certain chords here did ring of almost an old-fashioned design. And yet, here's here's her avant nature playing, is that she would keep those chords going. It's almost, this, it's like an insane string of chords here. It's like, starts out with the four, down to the one, then the five, then the one, then the five, then the six, minor six, ooh. And then she moves on to another section, which is more of a pre-chorus. But it's so tightly knit, almost at the point. And this is where the, I think, I'm going to have my issue with this track because this pre-chorus gives way to the chorus so quickly yeah. that it made me almost feel like that was the goal of this particular... But yet the opening verse sounded just as important. And it felt like all this happened within the span of, well, under Minutes. like 30 seconds to 45 yeah. seconds. I mean, it's a, little, it's a little quick for it to move through so many sections so fast. I almost feel like the ideas should have been you know, elaborated. Especially since later on in a track that was probably shorter, elaborates in a short period of time way better. But that's something also that we haven't said about this album yet that we should bring up now that we're already on track four. The longest track on this record was three and a half minutes. Oh yeah, every single... I mean, I almost feel like that's the whole math rock goal is sort of just bringing up so many... Get to the... Well... Yeah, no, all right, I'll go with that. Get Get to to the the point. point. It's, It's like it wants to take... Prague and compress it. Yeah. Like, just but not it. rush it. It's no. not rushed, except in a few moments. But most of, the, especially the whole second half of the album. I would almost say that this, uh, that this one particular section here was rushed. Yeah. Not no, that no. I didn't enjoy it. 
Right. It's just, it's just it I want more. Brief. I want it more of brief. each individual section. But I, it didn't feel as a complete piece because each the moments were great. But with the the huge tempo changing, the huge time signature changing that they were doing in here, uh, it, it 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 lost its connection. It became a little bit hard to follow the flow of the song. Well, it's like I said, this this transition from the verse, or if you want to call it an A section, into this pre-chorus and into the B. Like the pre-chorus sounds like it has a lot of emphasis placed on it. It's sort of this one chord to a. Actually, no, more of a four to a... It's really hard to say, because there are times where I can't even grapple with which key this was in. At the mo- Like, I actually ran under the presumption that this was in E until I realized it was in B, and I went back and re- redid all of my chords when I was looking through this. It's, it's, it's a weird little thing that she plays. So then finally when she settles in with the real chorus, which is what I'd call the B section, that is... It undeniably B major. Yeah. But it makes you rethink the first section, which you had previously thought was going to be the focus of the track, was going to be the home, the placement. And it cycles back and forth so easily that it's almost like there's two homes at once, which could be an artistic idea right there. It could be intentional. I mean, mm-hmm. it could very yeah. easily be intentional. I mean, listening to this several times, it's you can't not like it. Yeah. It's just... I definitely have little questions as to the overall art of it, the overall experience. Like, I find myself replaying certain sections as opposed to just listening to the whole track over and over. I want to get the most out of that part that I like. But the funny thing about that and is that a lot of it, because it's based on perception and, and interpretation, she, when she wrote it, she could have been going for something else completely. And we're just interpreting it our own way. And that's uh, well, kind of that's, one of the that's beautiful a disclaimer things here. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is all interpretation and that's, right. we're just my, putting it out putting ideas out there from my and, point of view i also got to question some of the other aspects of it and that's the lyrics not to be a hater but to be a little bit of a hater indie rock is not well known for its quality lyrics that's just they tend to be very interpretive and if you don't get it you're never gonna get it and for indie rock it, it, not a lot of people get it the line, you don't need a sledgehammer to walk in my shoes, I don't get. And I cannot see how to understand but that here's, poetically. Here's the rub. I found that to be one of the most pointed moments on this album. Despite the fact that I may not get it. Because, you know, we spent a lot of other occasions where we're analyzing lyrics to death. This one, I almost don't think it's worth it. It's because of its 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 statement. Remember, I was reading reading through the chords right there. This falls right on the minor six, and it's almost the most gripping musical moment before we exit or very subtly exit the verse into the pre-chorus. And right. that moment was beautiful. I'm just, it's from a musical standpoint. Lyric-wise, I don't care at that moment. It's well, not enough. It's not enough to drag it down. I do have to care in this case. I just because it's so clear cut and slow so in your face I just got a question like what's going on here and well, I'm all about context and the con- contextually speaking I think that her 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 voice her melody was was the emphasis at that particular and, moment and I've always said that and I it is to... personal I mean you know you could 
It's just a little hang-up I got on this one. Stray ideas for meaning can come to mind. Little wisps of meaning. For instance, you know, you don't need to walk in my shoes. That's always... That that comes up in a lot of music, and it comes up in everyday conversation in general. That that phrase. Uh, it's always a very personal thing, and I feel that the way she phrased it was personal. I, right, that's, and, and also... That, that's where I disagree. I don't feel that personal nature in, in what she's saying. See, I'm with Steve on this because also it's just the structure of the song in the in that moment. It's not. It's not. You don't need to understand something to enjoy it. In any case. Oh no, that's I. I wholeheartedly agree. And this is one of those moments for me where the way she sang it was so personal. It was how she sang it, not what she said. But I. That I was just gotta point that out. I didn't. I didn't feel that any. I didn't feel it. So I, I didn't feel that. I think at that point it's personal taste. I felt it when I thought it was in E, and then when I thought it was in B, I still felt it. <laughs> I don't know. All it's right. just something. I mean, you gotta you gotta look at it this way. You're not coming to this album for lyrics. No, definitely not. Well, there's other things to mention here, and I think this is really the the more of the sore spot for me. Um, it's definitely more of the avant choices, and that's uh, what she decides to do down here in the chorus or B section, what have you, and that's this grating dissonance that's thrown in there it's it's a it seems like a g in the middle of nowhere just thrown in there it might have been another note too i'm not entirely positive but it comes off as this as this non-chord tone that's clearly not in the key and the way she sings it it's either the way she sings or the way the guitar hits it it almost sounds the way both of them combined it almost sounds like a kazoo and the kazoo hits in that one <laughs> moment in the middle of you know this this for all this you know it was a kazoo Maybe it was, but either way, it was out of tune. And far be it from me to criticize that, because normally I like, you know, pushing harmonies. But and I I enjoy many of her harmonic choices throughout this album. It's just this one in particular felt a little bit. It it, it didn't achieve anything at that moment to me. Can you tune a kazoo? You know, you can have different kazoos. This brings me back to that jazz professor of mine who was like, you know what? If you want to compose a whole all symphony in a kazoo, go for it. Just go for it. In fact, I'd like to see it in my desk next week. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yes. Well, um, I think that's <laughs> a great way to close talking about nothing is easy. So moving on to immortals. So the, the, my initial problem with immortals and yet again i'm not done yet oh my god gosh (laughs) what else there's a lot to talk about here you didn't even mention the melody itself throughout all of this the melody that jerky manner of her speaking that was i thought that was something to note also how every single phrase felt like it was a tuplet and that it was kind of against everything else nobody that that didn't (laughs) god damn register with me (laughs) It felt like she was anticipating the beat before it happened. And I felt like that in itself kind of promotes this for me. Okay. So, eh. you're talking about, you know, pluses and minuses, pluses and minuses here. This was something unique. She didn't do this on any other track on the album, but she did it here. Clearly, I need to re-listen to it again, because I didn't notice that. But I'll... I'll sure. This is what you get. This is what you get when you're talking to other hosts. This is what you get when you mix my your science in, in my music. Oh, I'll mix. Anyway, can we go to Immortals now? Yeah, well, Track not. five. Well, not. So, so my big problem with Immortals was something that Steve pointed out on a third listen of the track itself. That first, the the initial thing I didn't like on my first listen was that the tapping guitar that was in the previous track was exactly the same in this track. What I didn't notice is that that 
guitar doesn't actually start initially with the track. There's a good two or three second delay where it's a different guitar and then this tapping guitar, almost as if two different tracks are playing at the same Much time. Much like my little kazoo moment here. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those weird artistic choices that I just don't understand. I didn't like it For either. For avant purposes, I'm always intrigued by new ideas. I just didn't get this one. This, this one idea, was strange. No, no. This idea was to turn the drums into a lead guitar and the tapping guitar work into a drum beat. That's that's how I felt the instruments were being treated in this one. They got the the guitar and drums were completely flipped on each other. I don't think it was it wasn't a hundred percent. I mean, for mo for all intents and purposes, I do believe you're correct. Yeah, but I, I I that didn't help the song as a whole for me. No, because yeah. if anything, what happens as a result of that is you diminish the uh, the drum in in the grand scheme of things. And we should say, because uh, I don't think we've said it enough, that the drum work in this album is phenomenal. It it's is phenomenal throughout, like every yeah. single song. So what happens? Because let's face it, the drums they're there. They're there to keep rhythm and all the careful rhythms that that the uh, that they're building as a band. And yet, you only will really hear the drum, and it, it'll, it'll reach out to you in moments where it's stated in such a way that that separates it from the group. You know, it's all about context. And in this particular case, the drum is doing this amazing thing throughout the track in his own little world. Meanwhile, the guitars are just kind of creating a very standard uh, riff that just... Standard. It's kind of it's kind of spastic a little bit, but it yeah. is a little bit stand. It's a little bit static, and and it feels more static because you're hearing a sound you heard static spasticity. It's weird, but you it also feels more static because again you heard this one of these guitar sounds through an entire previous track, and now it's not through the entire track on this. That's not. But it keeps coming back, and and it's, that little that's not that, that little U two uh, slash who you know yeah. whatever uh, that high guitar yeah, the that tapping. we talked about it. That honestly get, starts to wore, wear off of me, like, oh, wear on me in the latter half of this track. Yeah. So that's not I saying was tired it's of not. It. That's not saying it's not impressive. Of course, it's not. It was but if it was impressive the first time I heard it in the previous track, it's like it why did no, it need to be propagated so close? It, why did it have to? Like, be if the you were gonna do the thing? tapping again, do different notes, or it makes, do different It just key. makes me wonder. It was exactly the same as the previous or track. Or use it, use it it's more as textually. If, it's as if she sampled it again, the same exact specific track of that tapping. That's what you said. We both had the same experience. You put it on, and you think that almost there's another there's another uh, browser or another music player window on, on open. your computer playing the previous track. Oh, wait, was I playing that in another window no, and it, I forgot to stop it? It just kind of... It's weird. It, it just kind of blanketed this track. Yeah, with, it kind of throws it smothered, exactly it. smothered the drum work. It smothered it. and The yeah. drum work is there. It's just without... Smothered without, it. Without, murdered it. No, buried not, it. Did not murder. Know, did, not bury, did not bury. Did not murder. These are two harsh terms. Yes. I'm exaggerating. It did smother it. It was overbearing... I guess might be more appropriate, but it wasn't like... Had there been more playful rhythmic nature throughout this track, joining in with the guitars and the other instruments, then that, that same yes. drum work would have been phenomenal, and you would have it would have jumped out in places. You yes, the, absolutely. You had, you had the right word right there, playful. There was a, that playful nature, this seemed a little more rigid, maybe? Yes. That yep. you, you were losing the fun of the previous it's tracks. Just, this might have been one of my least. It is a, it is an uplifting track, but yeah. yeah, it loses the fun touch because there's not you know this has been a very uh, 
hypertensive album. Yeah. And I mean that to very intense record yeah. as well. And this yeah, this track just kind of fell short. And again, it wasn't bad by any means. It's just to me it was a little jarring because it felt repetitive. Yeah, it was technically And for this album to feel repetitive is not easy. Well, from here our discussion's going to take kind of a uh, a swing because uh, from the next track on it kind of it kind of fixes a lot of the little issues that we had one by one, and that starts immediately with that that playful nature. Yeah, the Chronicles next track, of Chronicles of Marnian, track six, we get we get a straight up jig. Yeah. Irish all the way. It was. Oh, it awesome. wasn't exactly. It, it sounded to me in composition similar to later flogging Molly. That the way the jig sounded with, well, without the, without the overbearing Irish right. instrumentation. But perhaps. the composition of yeah. the basic build felt very similar to that. And it was immediately uplifting. Indie goes Irish. It was immediately <laughs> energizing. Oh, it was so energizing. This yeah. this is like it was a shot in the arm. This is like down the B scale, down the B scale. <laughs> it's like so. But, her ability to, to really set speed and tone and to really punctuate her instruments is just showcased so, so beautifully in this song. It's It's got incredible, spe- incredible speed changes. That's one thing I got to point out. It, it, it changes on a dime, but in such a way that you just love it. And yet the uh, the jig part is you know standard four four because after all jig has to be kind of straightforward and yeah. that's I think what was really impressive here is that she was able to because towards the end of those phrases when she's done with the jig section then she does proceed to go through these really uh, quickly changing uh, rhythmic touches and it's impressive that it's able to still remain relatable and accessible, I think, to anybody who's looking to have fun while still having those, you know, her own creative touch. Like, it's a jig, it's a jig first and foremost, but it is, it's such a complex one. And I don't say that often for jigs. This track definitely felt very accessible, but yeah, it it wasn't simplified, overly simplified, it wasn't boring, it was this kind of perfect blend of something that could be start simple but then was perfectly built upon and the second thing i want to talk about is her vocals i mean they take yes. off in this album so i mean sorry in this in this track so much yeah it's, her, uh, her emotions and her vocals the energy in her vocals is perfectly mirrored with the jig nature <laughs> and is is perfectly that's what helps bleed everything through uh it's and, what and to keeps... go with that range as well yeah um Yo, she, she really shows notes. her range yeah this was to a high f sharp and it's like First of all, it's even it's, it's enhanced by the fact that I think she's layering over herself for a good portion of this album, yeah. and that makes it even jump out anymore. But still, great artistic choice. I actually, I mean, it, that when that note hits, it's 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 throat grabbing. Well, yeah, it immediately grabs your attention. You yeah. can't help but focus on it. And there's one line that actually rings out in this song that really, it's sort of, it's sort of a meta line. I would think they'd follow you through the bravest metaphor. I just love, I just, there's something about that that just adds some flavor. And it's, She metaphored it, it, the hell out of that metaphor. No, it's, first of all, you're working on a pun, the Chronicles of Marnia. You're working Irish jig blended with, I don't even know how to describe the rest of it. I would think they'd follow you through the bravest metaphor. It's, she's talking about her music, speaking of something else. It's, it's an incredible idea. Right, and then the second thing I want to talk about, um, uh, probably more than second by now. Third. Probably up to like third, this, this like fourth. Fifth, fifth or sixth. <laughs> well, that's my last point for this particular track. And this is just a little aside based on 
a point that I've probably made in a previous podcast because it comes up a lot when I when I see the phrasing of certain ideas. And considering we're talking about this track, where I think a lot of the the little issues that I have with some of the earlier tracks have been fixed, and how uh, I want to talk about the composition of a certain idea. For instance, take that idea with the really high F sharp, where she, you know she's belting it out, and there's even a little bit of a bend down there, and she just holds it, and then that exact same phrase is repeated perfectly. Now, I was, there was a very, I was told by a, a, an old professor way back when that when you come up with an idea, as, as a young composer, say you were a young composer, and you come up with a really, really great idea, and then you quickly rush it out and then move to the next idea. It's a sign that you are a young composer because the the fear for young composers is always that uh, this is going to get stale. This is going to get stale. I want to move on. I want to stay fresh. That's if I stay fresh. If I stay, you know, if I engage the audience in a constant, overbearing way, that's how I will be uh, revered or you know acknowledged. And that's always a mistake because the sign of a great song, the sign of a great idea, is when you take that one idea and you you reinvent it. Or you repeat it because it is, after all, a great idea. I mean, you want to make the best out of that idea, so and you want to make it the best you could possibly make it, so why not persist it? In some of the previous tracks, I noticed, for instance, the uh, Nothing is Easy. You know, that's when you were cycling through so many ideas so fast, I almost feel like it had that, it was making that error. And that is completely healed in Chronicles of Marnia. I mean... Why there's, not? Don't let a good thing go to waste. <laughs> no, there's there's excellent breathing in in this song that everything gets expanded and showcased in such a way yeah. that nothing feels disjointed, even though it's very they're very distinct. There's very distinct ABCs, but they all feel like they feel like the same alphabet, which nothing is easy felt like different languages to some extent. Right, and uh, because I think um, that issue was remedied, uh, we start to move on here into more cohesive pieces, more uh, somewhat slower paced, uh, yeah. but I mean that in terms of of breathing, as John said. Yeah. It, it's almost as if from here on in, this is where the album really starts to gain its soul. And it's really obvious in the next track, still moving. First of all, from the beginning, you're breached with this strong rock out bass line that ends up running the course of most of the track it's, it's and it's the most prevalent a bass line had been <laughs> this is also in the thing. whole track this song i mean a good portion of this is in six four and it's made me realize this is one of my favorite time signatures just because of of the heart beating nature to this yeah. like two-step waltz it's dun 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 well of course slower than that yeah but it's uh it's it, it's really, it comes through in, in certain the melodies that she comes up with. And that's one of the reasons why I was, I made a point to go back and, and state the, the tuplet melody that was appearing back in Nothing is Easy. Because right. it was very important there, and it's even more important here. But it comes with the specific ideas. Like I said, those those great one-shots. Uh, for instance, the, um, and no one came. Like, just when she says that line itself. Within well, that 6-4 uh, structure... That you can really play around with melodies because it's a longer stretch. You're not as rigid. Like four, four beats goes by quickly. Six, yeah. six is is you can fulfill yourself. Well, this was the song where I said, even though it was short, it took those ideas and expressed them fully, and completely, without 
without rushing, even though it was still a short song. Yeah, and it was it was the combination of uh, that that bass line dueling with the drums to some extent. They they were at times in unison, but at t- mostly competing with one another. And they actually used her vocals and the tapping guitar to really to to set up a unity. And the tapping guitar was a lot more playful. In, yeah, it wasn't in, the in, same key like in the previous tracks. And, and instead, it, it did stay very stable, but it would be it would allow the bass to touch upon it. It would allow the drums to touch on, upon it at different parts, and then pull back. And then it was that competing nature that was just very, very unique and very distinct in this track. And but, um, I'm gonna point out another moment here because to follow that moment I mentioned earlier, there's this. It's another usage of that 6-4, like, to a really, really creative touch. And that's that, nobody knows when it's gonna be. <laughs> Do anybody recall that particular yeah. line where she goes that up, was... uh, she crescendos and then decrescendos. Yeah. And yet, it's all, it almost feels like it's against the rhythm. But it's because of how she, fr- it's like she splits that in terms of, like, a parabolic arch. When really, it's just two beats for, I mean, two notes, you know, two syllables for each and every beat within the 6-4 measure. And she fulfills it, ends it like on the five, and lets that ring out, and then repeats it again. And it's uh, it, it's it's a use of melody unlike I've ever heard. I mean, I to be I am on the verge of saying that melody is one of the things. It almost seems obvious. Like you know, any 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 three year old in a camp could tell you that melody is important to a song. But sometimes I think that people forget about it and they overlook well, they just, just how assume. important it can be. Yeah. I mean, based on what, what John was saying also before about how the different instruments were competing and then also working in unison, it really carved out this perfect, almost perfect, because nothing's really perfect, but almost perfect pacing for this song. And then your melody is what really solidified it. For a song that was only three minutes and seven seconds, it went through more and completed more than some of the six and seven minute songs we've listened to it just goes it's, through these stages that I'll resolve themselves so well section by section it's um yeah. honestly this I, is really an abc uh yeah absolutely somewhat um, yeah um, i'll let you say your point <laughs> i try to start five times honestly i've heard albums less cohesive than and less less experimental and less you have we have yes look at our archive and I sure. love the Look fin- at our numbers. I love the final lines on this one because I no one ever really understands anybody else's life. It's simple, but it's so true and oh, so much to the point. The way it's phrased yeah. is just so beautiful with the, with the a, work. That is an amazing line, I do have yeah. to say. Um but yeah, I I I don't want to I don't want to beat this too much into the into the ground. It's um you could either call this, you know, an ABC, or you could probably, you probably could attribute a verse-chorus structure to this. I think it was but more the, ABC. It felt more ABC to me. But it did, it did, no, it did go back and repeat uh, the A and, so, eh, just the A. So maybe ABCA or something? Oh, okay. okay. Abacaba? Abacaba. <laughs> Abacaba. That's the thing. It's called a rondo. <laughs> oh, is it really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's move on to the next track, East Side Glory. Okay. So, East Side Glory... Well, for the first time in the whole album, bam, organ. We have an organ in this track. It has uh, this this track. And it was out of nowhere. Like, they didn't even build, really build to the organ. It was just kind of this, there. This rang of, of uh, 
1970s prog or classic rock as we yeah. think of it they There's... used to use the, the organ a lot and also decemberists from recently yeah and uh i'm just gonna throw another uh band out there who used the organ in this fashion and that was pinback so there's only things one that came to mind there's only one way i can describe this song and that is living this song was with all of its experimentation and changes was one clear uh ringing chord it was a beautiful what probably the most solid thing i've heard this year i mean it was amazing how how connected from beginning to end this this was this vibe for my favorite um it had the best moments with a couple of individ- others. the best individual moments of of the album were on this song mm. and it is my favorite piece I, I I'm in, almost inclined to agree with you. This this is actually the first moment where I thought that the album was taking on soul, um, even before the last couple tracks grew on me. Um, again, use of melody. I gotta restate it. it it's it's beautiful in its brevity, because yeah. all things considered, it's it's a fairly short melody, a fairly short moment, um, at least. But it it hits so hard. Uh, again, more playing around with uh, with rhythm, and this is. This is where you really know you're working with someone who's um, who's got their chops. Is when you're using rhythm to fit your melody, not vice versa. <laughs> not melody. You know, you you wrote a four four song. You gotta stay in four four. This is why so many melodies can come across as cookie cutter. Yeah. And that you can forget about them so easily. This is why I'm stressing melody so hard. So. Based on what the melody does, and based on uh, what the organ is doing here, she takes a, a general six eight. Uh, uh, verse, and it almost is like a cycle. You'd think it would be just in 6-8 completely, but instead she throws in a 7-8 there. Just one 7-8 to add that one extra beat to let the organ ring out. And that puts it in perspective. And then she pulls it right back to 6-8. So it's 6-8, 7-8, 6-8, 6-8. And that's the cycle. It goes over and over again. It's just a beautiful choice. I mean, knowing when to do that. It it, it makes that, that four-measure cycle seem so cohesive. And what I also really like about this meaningful. What I really like about this track is the fact that it, it it's constantly building to something, building upon itself and creating from beginning to end pretty much. And then instead of deconstructing it in a very cliche way like a lot of tracks do, she just goes with a very simple fade out. And it works so well because if you were to take apart at the end any of the pieces, it just wouldn't have been as beautiful. So instead of jeopardizing the cohesiveness of that piece, she just lets it fade out and does a simple fade. It's one of the few beautiful, times. But it's one of the few times she actually uses a fade. Usually, there's the, two these in the tracks, album. These tracks kind of end on a dime. Yeah. And the reason being is because this is really um, this is really an A B song and uh, A B C probably yeah. because that C section. Is, is different altogether. Yeah. It's different altogether, not not in the fact that it's, uh you know, separate and unmarried to the rest, but in the fact that it, it takes the, sort of the slowness of this. This is a much more slower-paced track, uh, yeah. going to what I said earlier. And then it takes that light, waltzy, you know, because again, 6-8, I told you. Everything in 6 <clears> is just <throat> awesome, because you can play around with melodies. And then she pushes that into the next thing, and that's that, that C section, which is really technical. And she, it's like it gets more mathematical as it goes. Yeah. The guitar, instead of just doing that even, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, instead it's more closer. You hear like those 16th notes, like right before you hit the beat. And 
everything pops out, you know, like colors are brighter, yeah. textures feel more textury. Um, this is less, I mean... It's like you, a clacking guitar. When, when you look at a lot of songs, they, they tend to be journeys because they do take place over time. I, I want to say this song is more like an elongated moment for me. Well, it's like an, elong- an elongated moment that took off at the end. Yeah. Because based it on the based on the C it, section, it's almost as if the song took cocaine. Yeah. And and that's <laughs> and it's like the fade out is representing it going through the stratosphere and just disappearing into the distance. Pretty much. In that's... space. Oh look at you call back. Look you yeah. call back. You happy with he the call back there? I do. So moving on to track nine. Oh, this... and, the, oh and the bass thump was awesome. The bass thump in D. The bass thumping at the end. Yeah, yes, yes, cool. yes. The, the, almost. It was. <laughs> I almost. am full of side points. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not that sorry. No. Moving on to Proof of Life, which is track nine. So okay. dark by comparison to, to the, the rest of the record. Yeah. Which is yeah. Honestly, at this point, I needed to just feel something different, and I love the tone. Kind of rumbly. This sets it up. had a thunderous piano, which John gave me the language for, because I couldn't kind of put it into words. But just, it starts with this thunderous piano, and right away you get this gorgeous movement that is oh, is quite different from what you had been listening to up to this point. And this, in fact, struck me as more universal. Going with what I said before, the, the how choruses tend to come across as like you're reaching out, the, the, the chords themselves struck me as a little bit more rallying here in the cor- in the verses actually and I, interestingly enough not, not the, the chorus. chorus and what the thing is about this track also is even though you said it felt less personal and more like unifying i find that it's sometimes easier to get an emotional connection to a song that's rallying an example would be like a song called move along by the all american rejects is one of those very rallying songs for everyone and they do something which also happens in this song they cut out all of their instruments just about and repeat their their chorus. And, and that's here, where kind of where you can get pulled in. It gets it drops out everything except for the simple punctuating piano work and a little bit of bass if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And and she says the lines all my life it's based on fantasy and all the gods they've stopped talking to me and she just rings it out and that's it's the so touching other point i want to make is vocals i mean considering the very light kind of cute voice that she's had going throughout this entire album that she husky, really she takes it down deeper. this is um this is like a lot more serious first of all the song is called proof of life there's a lot more there does seem to be more of a reaching out yeah. vibe to this so as if, like, she's been in her own wor- little world. She's been introverted for the whole entire album. And I hear all of a sudden, she's she telling it like it up. is. Yeah. Yeah. Telling, speaking her heart. I think that's it for this track. I mean, it was kind of very face value. And that's not a bad thing. It was just, you know, there wasn't a lot to deconstruct on this. It was kind of a very, a very candid track. Um, I will say one other thing though. There, there is an insane drum breakdown in the beginning of this track. Oh, yeah. yeah. After she, after she's done with her, with her moment there. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, t- the track again. It's, it's like these tracks take speed you know, yeah. or, or, or cocaine, whatever your drug of choice is. Um, in this particular case, I think this was the, this was the highlight of, of the drum in this entire album, which, and, which, in it, in its entirety, has been stellar. And this was just a moment where. And it's- <laughs> it that, was more than stuff. That moment is what made this my favorite track on the record because I loved the piano, but when that drum solo ish 
section happened, it really grabbed me, and it was I, the best drums on the record. I appreciate seeing another me. instrument do that. You know, you know how we always say guitars are basically ma- masturbating on stage. Yeah, this well, was the drum getting the its drum, chance. The drum, drum, pretty much fulfilled that role yeah. in this album. Um, uh, it's a great tension builder. So moving on to the final track, Hell Yes. I mean, from from the moment this song starts, you get this kind of prog rock almost sound. This feel that it's 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 it's, I, it's the best it, it's the best guitar work on the album. Yeah, it definitely you is get the best this guitar this work. Deep, this construction of of rhythms that really kind of take you through something. I would see people like we we hark, I I talk about them all the time. People like Santana having difficulty keeping up with this chick. It's amazing just what she starts with. And it sounds like Shades of Santana and even like more towards prog rock. You know, like I could see this song standing up to Godsticks. No, there's a lot of technicality in here. I think Godsticks is the only other contender in everything that we listen to. Um, between them in and this in terms of straight up technicality. Yeah, yeah there's absolutely. And, and um, imagination for, you know, all that you can do with all of the above. Um... The other thing here, just to show you how shallow and flighty uh, tastes can be sometimes, is that this almost had what I would have called a problem back in track four in terms of kind of not really knowing where your key is. It almost seems to start out in D major, then it goes to B minor, and then it settles that B minor really is your home key and not so much D major. So it's that back and forth. This is good composition here. Back in track four, I was not quite sure. I thought so because I thought that... The idea was a little bit, uh, a little bit flighty in of itself, right. and yet here it seems like it all flowed majestically. I, I can't explain why that is. It's really tough to get down to that nitty gritty, but it, it, it worked. Absolutely. It worked here. It all felt like one big rise. Didn't feel like it was trying to decide what it was. It felt like a rise. It gave way to that same, uh, almost like you're running. You know, when it hits that G major chord, it's like. It's almost like you're running back and forth. But kind of similar to something we didn't mention uh, in the previous track, in Proof of Life, uh, those rallying chords gave way to that same running thing, too. That's when the piano was, you know, going low, high, low, high, right? Almost the first time we get a clear piano there. It's very a little bit sparser. We get something very, very similar here in Hell Hell Yes. Um, And that gives way to a great breakdown. And I mean a great, great breakdown. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which was the perfect way to close in this album. It's, It's kind of a big... And, th- and that breakdown gives way to a fade out and that's the second fade out on the record and honestly between the way that the, tr- the album started with this kind of jarring in your face almost unbelievable beginning and then this great culminating prog rock outro that fade- just fades out kind of really wraps the album together very nicely it's a great bookend it really is it's funny uh, I only have one more comment um, for something a specific thing before we wrap this up and that's that that moment that I had to mention back in track two, the outro that we mm-hmm. were disagreeing on a little bit, it's funny because as much as I liked that, I almost feel like a whole entire a new album could be created off of that sound, like more right. post-rock territory. Um, and yet at the same time, it, it was pointed for the early half of this album, but maybe it didn't fit so so well within the grand scheme of things because right. it didn't fit the tone so much. I did like it, though, uh, in the way that... You know, it does break it up a bit. Yeah. Maybe that's what I liked about it so much. Um, but I didn't know that, you know, when I'm only in the sixth, uh, on the second track. Because after all, I do listen uh, consecutively. Right. So, I don't know. Just, just something to think about. Okay. Food for thought. 
Food for thought. Food for thought. Food for thought. Food for thought. Who's going first? <laughs> uh, not me. I reserve my right as the chooser to go last. Steve's going first. I'm going first, huh? Well, considering but you, I was just talking. you had, yeah, you had the. Well, you can keep yeah. talking. You yeah. had a lot to say about this record. Yeah, we. I. I just. If anything, you guys rushed. No, as an aside to the listeners. Not so much resting, uh, uh, rushing as having less to say. I actually contacted Steve a day early and was like, "This is intimidating. I'm gonna be way out of my league." You gotta go all science on this because I can't do it. And in all honesty, I kind of rushed the science. There's a lot more I could have said about each individual thing here, but the same goes for God's Dicks, too. Even back then, I could have gone into, like, everything. But, you know, that's gonna. There, I, I hope there's somewhat of a range of listeners out there as yeah. those who will understand and those who won't. So, for those who understand, may, may hear the reasons why when I mention a certain uh, music theory thing, and those it who works don't? toward the song, and those who don't may understand the simpler side of it and work your way up. That's the hope. It's, with any luck, they'll actually be educated by and this the to understand what's going on. I mean, And the reality of it is, if you want to know more of the highly technical stuff that we don't get into details about... Do ask we're, me a question. We're all reachable. Comment on the website or send Steve an email. Or better yet, ask... Uh, ask, ask um, Marnie question. <laughs> yeah, send her an email directly. <laughs> I'd like Twitter. to ask her a couple questions. She's on Twitter. She is She's on, on Twitter. Facebook. So yeah, and definitely reach even MySpace. Um... Well, also, if you ask Steve a question, give him some time because this is gonna be this is gonna be hard. Yeah, because I've also made a couple mistakes here. I mean, this is I I, I rushed this based on John's request. I, I was going to talk a little bit more uh, abstract and art about this, and not so much in the technicality. But there's a lot of technicality here. Yeah. A lot to talk about. Um. So you've you've You're going decided first. that Go. I'm going first. Just yep. Start. <laughs> okay. Well, Marnie Stern. I very much enjoyed this record. I haven't enjoyed anything in this uh, techni- de- technical degree since God Sticks, which was episode 51. See, I know episodes. <laughs> yes, we know. You have them memorized. Uh, as I've said before, and I'll say again, it'll be more impressive when we're at 300 episodes. It's true. I'll do it. I'll do it. You watch. Okay. Um, let's get a little specifics here, though. Of course, style-wise, you know, I, I enjoy the fact that that it's bringing the that mid two thousands indie sound to a more complex degree because it was always fun, lighthearted music. And I'll admit it; I was really into it back then. Um, I think that it's almost had its day in terms of uh, in terms of the genre itself. And I mean, like the Franz Ferdinand esque stuff. Uh, by the way, I listened to the new album; it's not that good. It's all right. I mean, I, it might grow on me. We'll see. But <laughs> all these asides. Um, but that aside. <laughs> I think I think that this brings it back in a big way, in a really big way, based on all that it does. There are some moments there, though, where it almost seems to harken back to it and not do enough with it, where the, most of these tracks do. There are some moments where it's just like, huh, well, maybe they just wanted to take a break. Uh, those moments on this album, of course, are uh, Newman, Noonan, 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 as well as Immortals. These are a couple of holes, and when I say holes, they're only like, passively hold just because they they're very passive tracks they don't have as strong of a hook it it's a curious curious choice i must only conclude that they must have been somewhat throwaways because when you consider that every other track on this album has a hook and then another hook and then some i mean it's just i don't see any reason why else there would be these two tracks here um just to break it up and kind of let you sit back and just enjoy yourself because the tone is 
pleasing. But then there's the other side of the spectrum, and that's the moments that occur in track two, You Don't Turn Down. I mean, that outro, I could have a field day with, with how it worked and its placement, uh, theory-wise, coming after the, the previous two sections. Same goes for Still Moving. I mean, just the way that it... Uh, the way... The, the, her use of melody, phenomenal. Um... Same goes for East Side Glory, and to be honest, the whole end of this album. We're really only talking about two curious holes here. And you know what? Let's mention a little bit about track one. Track one, I hear, in terms of the cute style of singing, there is a consistency there uh, from that to the other tracks. Because she does perpetuate that, just not to the same degree. And I respect the shock and awe factor, because after all, why would you want to make concessions to anybody? Um, and from there on, it is an uphill swing. And that's my favorite kind of album that goes uphill. Um, so let's see. Considering all that, considering the vocals, considering the technicality, considering the section work, making a few exceptions for the, some of the tracks where I feel like the ideas were a little bit rushed behind to be quickly replaced by a new one. Um, still, it's something worth enjoying. I'm going to throw this definitely in the four range. That goes without saying. Well, that's kind of obvious. Thank you for that. Stop stalling. <laughs> we all know you're doing that. 4.5. This is a 4.5 for all the reasons I just said. That it's it's those moments that that I question, that eyebrow raising moments where I feel like I need to repeat certain sections just yeah. to get my full enjoyment out of it, or fast forward to the section that I like. You know, it's those moments that are just a little bit too curious for me to really hike it to the far far upper fours. But as we said, those are really only reserved for like you know the full idea. And that's the other thing here. Arc-wise, it's tough yeah. with this album. It's full of sporadic ideas. All of them great. And in fact, I'm mostly throwing arc down the toilet because we normally waste so much... We put so much emphasis on arc, it's almost silly. That when you're faced with this kind of, of technicality, this kind of skill all around, and just entertainment, I, 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 I'm not going to even look at it. It's purposeless. Well, I feel like, for me... When you take an album like this, you have to throw Arc on the toilet. Because if you weigh Arc as heavily on an album like this, it's about talent. If talent precedes or supersedes so many other things, sometimes you can throw that other stuff away. Because it doesn't matter as much because of the enjoyment level. It's because you could shuffle around these tracks in, I think, almost any order. I'd still give it the exact same rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's irrelevant. I mean, I like that it has this kind of split and it does build up. Because I agree. When you have an album that doesn't disappoint at the end and just gets better and better, I mean... It's hard to not like an album like that. That just progressively gets better. Yeah. And this album does that. I mean, I will admit, the first time I heard it in my car today, I was just kind of kind of completely thrown for a loop by the first track. But then the second track immediately engaged me right afterwards, and then pulled me through the rest of the album. And upon a second listen, I really understood the construction of this record. From an emotional standpoint, there's no clear emotion in this album that really stands out. There are moments of it. And then there's a song like Proof of Life where you really get this kind of emo this powerful feeling. And track two, you also get this kind of passion or intensity. But it's not clearly positive or negative. And truth be told, 
I like that. I, of course, I like a sad song that makes me cry. I like a happy song that makes me feel good. But it's also kind of nice to have this kind of unclear emotion. Yeah, the word you're looking for is ambiguity. Yes. Yeah, you are. Amb- this ambiguity, but not in a negative way. It's just, you don't know what to feel, but you're okay with it. And it pulls you through these moments. Um, I agree with Steve. The two tracks he mentioned, it's just, they do feel like these kind of holes in the record. But again, I don't. The other, the rest of the record is, is 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 so good that you can't really fault those holes because again, they're not bad tracks. They're just not as good as everything else. Although I will say that I'll I'll withdraw what I said about um, shuffling around the tracks in any single order because I, think I, it works I did I did just said like an album that that progresses and and gets you I more mean, intrigued you as you could go listen on this. On this you could listen to this album on shuffle and it wouldn't hurt it. Yeah. But I still think it's better in its yeah. order. I, I I can't I can't get rid of that idea because of yeah. course that would ruin the shock and awe intro and all the other right. stuff that I said. There is an there is an arc he, an arc here in terms of uh, entertainment. Yes. Um, crowd pleasing, perhaps. That that could be it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a stretch. That's but, all but, you need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. That is all you need. So I mean, for me, I I agree with Steve on almost every point. There are minor moments that we all we 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 because why would we always one hundred percent agree? Then the podcast would explode. But oh but but all in all, I agree. It's a four point five. It's it's an album that really gets you, pulls you in, really entertains you. I mean, on the face value of emotion, being entertained is important sometimes in life, more important than other things. And this is an entertaining record at its core. It's very hard to listen to this and not enjoy it. It's possible, but it's unlikely. So I give it a four point five. I'm going to well. add that there's also a little bit of selfishness to this record, just in terms of the ideas that she loves and wants to move on to all these other ideas. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, that's that's probably the only reason I think I'm not putting it in the upper fours. It's yeah. just, it it loves itself. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie, I love it too. It's yeah. just, you know, it's <laughs> a little bit pacing. All right, let's go down the checklist. Beautiful vocals. Check. Amazing drum work. Some of the best drum work I've ever heard. Check. Incredibly unique guitar work. Check. Stop saying check now. Okay. There are issues, and there are issues that you two didn't even talk about. This has also... It has that same sort of uh, Boards of Canada feel. It's intimidating. There are aspects that are just very difficult to hear. And you said it yourself. You had to go back and re-listen and re-listen and try to understand it. There's a lot here. It's a technical masterpiece. But because of all that technical ability, it's, well, it's, a, it's hard at times. I want to just quickly interject to say I didn't go back because I didn't understand it. There's some here stuff that's very accessible even in its complexity i went back because i enjoyed it so okay because it's addictive i, I feel i feel that it does have an intimidating addicting feature. to my taste at least now where boards of canada wasn't personal this was this was very much a soulful album this this is very much laid out in front of you and I have to say, while intimidating, I think I'm more intimidated by Marnie Stern than by the music, to some extent. If this is who she is, that's a little... 
it's scary in its complexity. It's 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 almost frightening that someone could be this deep. The yes, word like you're I, looking I had for to. Is intense. In fact, Thank I don't. You. I think intense. we've gone this whole album, and I'm really glad we did. Um, so I'll just uh, overlook the fact that I'm going to say it now. We've gone the whole album without saying uh, the word femrock, because there's so many implications that go with that. Like, uh, oh yeah, indie rock with a with a female singer, you know. Like it seems so basic. No, this you was you can't you can't this put was... this in a box at all. It's it's its own thing. It's it's her own design. It was because of how personal it was. Uh, I mean, I can overlook that imita- intimidating factor. And I agree with both of you, but I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna be so low. I'm gonna give it a a four point seven. Four point seven five, right? It's right in between just true five star masterpiece and four and a half star awesomeness. It it's a four seven five. There's just so much here, so much depth, and just usage of instruments: bass in one, piano in another, organ in a third. I mean, she she brings in so many elements and just brings it together with her bass idea. It's beautiful. I respect that. Yeah, and it's got it's got. It's got East Side Glory, which will not be the most emotional, won't be the most technical, it won't be the most vocal song of my year, but it's probably the best moment I've had this year. Uh, you know, when it comes to 4.5 and up, you're really, like, 4.5 and up is basically... Memorable. Ex- not just memorable. No, I mean important to... Music. To music as as an art form, yeah, of course. Like, well, holds should hold a place there. Well, let's look at some within within that as you as you go from like the high, the really high four point fives or the low four point fives. It's it's a matter of taste and um, and well, considering the f- I think that's because each of us have our own idea of where we want music to go. Yeah, you know, it, it returns to that personalization of music. Before, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Anything that's in the upper four range should be copied and expanded upon. This is where music should go. Just in my personal conceited opinion, I believe this is the sort of things that should be made. So to, go four, five, well, or then th- there you are, because that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I agree pretty much the same exact thing. That's why I put it at 5.5. Pretty much the only I mean, 4. reason. 4.5. 5. 5. 5. 5. 5. 5. You said 5.5. <laughs> I put it at 4.5. She broke the scale. She broke the scale. The only reason I hold back 4.5 is, is like I said, that, that pacing yeah. is, is the one thing I think that should be so controlled. For an overall review, buy it. This is an album worth buying. Yeah, if, okay. it's not. It's not an ignore. It's not a just listen. Buy this record. There are very few people I think who would not enjoy this. It just seems like something that would have something for everybody. Yeah. And as a side note, she did have one album. It was uh, her second album, I believe, that was called I Am It, He Is It, You Are It, She Is It, and it's just a and, series. And It Is It, and That Is That. Yeah, That Is That Is, and it's, it is it is like 15 sentences in a row. I love it. And it kind of, it does a great job of summing up her style of music. But, but with the with the wrap-up and so the overall writing. So she's almost past herself. So me saying the yeah. pacing and everything, that's yeah, not going to, and frankly, I don't want it to change. I really don't. It's, um... I think this album is great the way it is, and I agree that, I mean, let's look at, just take a brief review of the year so far, since we're getting towards the end of the year, being that we're in September now. Let's look at some of the 5.5. The 4.5. A 4.5 album. The highs. I mean, let's look at Darlings of Lumberland, a song that, back when we were only listening to an album once, 
We were all speechless for the first at least 30 seconds to a minute of that track and had nothing to say. We were just mouths agape. To be honest, that track in itself was spastic. Really yeah. spastic. And this is kind of... This is why I like it. Because I, I enjoy spasticity. In, yeah. fact, in fact, even the tracks that I... Um, just to differentiate the tracks on this album itself, when making the difference between like track four versus track... Uh, track seven and track ten, right? Seven and ten, spastic in their own right. For some reason, more artfully formed than track four. Yeah. Such a subtle thing Difference, right yeah. there. Right? Absolutely. Which means that you're playing with fire when you get to those upper uh up that upper echelon, four point yeah. five and higher. Um Darling's a Lumberland just for the fact that I don't think we expected it at all. No, not at all. And also uh, Yeah, I have re listened to it. It stands out. No, of course it does. Course Re- it does. Recently. No, I listen to it constantly. But also, I mean, take a band like Steam Power Giraffe. <laughs> yeah. And a song like Honeybee, where Honeybee is not complex per se, except in the harmonies, but it's just so beautiful. It's it's Honeybee, Autoatomic, Electronic, Harmonics, which are just, at a primal level, vo- voices that grip you because of three individuals coming together and creating something greater than the sum of its parts. Or, uh, I think that modern camp composition is is making that that spastic idea throwing seem perfectly natural. Yeah. As if I mean look never at it. look at Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. This artist Ryan Lewis who's mixing these songs and playing instruments that you would have never heard in hip hop 10 years ago. Not like this. And it it and then taking lyrics that paved the way for an idea and a movement, a song like "Same Love," that you would they, have never heard an instrumental on a <laughs> on a hip hop album. Let exactly. alone ago. four or five minute one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yes, so far that's still my favorite album of the year. I'm just putting that out there. Um, it's just I think it's important to really and and, since and you we know were, what that that album and uh, that was just full of irony. Yeah, which is another weird thing. And it's a little bit of a spastic idea, the way he was, it was presented. Uh, when you look at gold, when you look at white walls, I mean, it, it's just full of irony. Wings. Well, you know, as if we haven't beaten this idea to death, but I'm always looking for in music, like an, like an ironically stated musical phrase, if that makes any sense, to, to compare with John's, um, you know, straight up literary touch. Because there's a lot you can achieve with lyrics. I, I do believe that you can achieve the same exact amount with music. It's Absolutely. just a lot more harder to achieve. Godsticks did that, and to, yep. to the almost the same extent, Boards of Canada did it. Yeah. I mean, I'm amazing how I'm amazed how much you love Boards of Canada. Oh, you have no idea. I use it. I, at, I brought I'll Boards of Canada on as a, as an ambient track just to see how it would take an ambient. I knew Boards of Canada had had reputation, and I liked their earlier stuff. This newer album. This was actually slower to grow on me, actually. Boards of Cat. That I mean, uh, Tomorrow's Harvest is the album I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, episode fifty-four. To be to be honest, I actually use it as a palate cleanser a lot of times because, while ambient, it is so engaging. There you are. It's and it's so funny considering I could see. Uh, it's just like I was talking about with Marty Stern. Like the wrong person, you know, makes this one track and they might think one thing. Well, the wrong person uh, listened to Boards of Canada, I could easily see them being bored out of their skulls. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, like I'm on. I'm not as obsessed with that record as you two might be. 
I like it. I'm not even. I don't think episode no, just John is. But I just, I'm in I don't love. Thi- I'm in love with it. I don't I'll be think I could listen to it. I like in it. its entirety. But I like it, and and I think I'll go back to it. But I wouldn't listen to it over and over again. Whereas like, like an album like I love its tone because I'm all about aesthetic. That's a whole other thing that is is separate from of. Uh, kind of the stuff that we're doing here or or in god sticks that's an individual aesthetic but but boards of canada tomorrow's harvest achieved something that existed it was a full-blown exploration into yeah. the world of 70s 80s electronica synth art form and science as it was then yeah and i'll be honest i do not listen to the whole album but i will choose the opening lines one of those stories that we discovered in there the four or five tales that they tell throughout that album and listen to one of the stories or maybe two in a row and that is just a such a calming thing even though they they tend to be about the end of the world and all that jazz well what i like about these well, records you can the really, end of the world was kind of looming in the 70s and 80s you, it was you can kind of also tell like i mean I like when one of us brings in a 4.5 or higher track, or even a 4 or higher, because we those albums always get reactions we are totally not expecting. Some of the lower ones, too, but like, take for example Godsticks. I didn't, Steve would go prattling on about prog forever and ever, and I didn't listen to that much prog. I'm not a huge Pink Floyd fan, so when he brought Godsticks, of course I'm not expecting to like it at all. Meanwhile, I found... I had forgotten that prog doesn't necessarily mean a specific sound per se, so I found roots and grunge and and heavy metal well, in Godsticks, which pulled me in immediately. Yeah, you know, that goes back to our um, our prejudice conversation. Yeah, um, episode forty-three. <laughs> I got it, but um, you know how 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 we all have blinders on sometimes when we hear yeah. certain genres we hear sh- certain ideas thrown at us and sometimes just something that we've built over perceptions people that we knew who were yeah. into who knows the number of things that you know, that add up to the where these prejudices fall and that's just you know one of them we have to remember that it is very individualistic even when you're trying to fit um fit a a, a thing fit a, a niche it's still incredibly individualistic yeah it always has the potential never write off anything and we've all been surprised or changed based on i mean i don't think any of us expected steve to like moments of nine inch nails better than me and john since we were believe it or not i i you just reminded me i am uh post-mortem <laughs> uh changing my rating um, I'm not exactly sure what two yet, but it, it'll be well, reflected well, in the year-end in, in the the year review. review. We'll talk. Yeah, I'll, well, As just like I had said, Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age, I like so much more. Now that I've listened to it a bunch more times, I, I really fell in love with that record. Especially after Alon, who commented on Facebook, and we haven't addressed it yet on the website, commented about how the album reflected his near-death experience, where he was actually dead for ten minutes or something like that. So there's like, a perfect example of like... Alon you know, would be from the Wall Street players. Future Money, as you audience members may know him. Um... But yeah, I think, and I think it was important today to talk a little bit about this impact of the four or higher because it really there four are or some, higher or four point five or higher. We talk well, about okay. the greats or the I guess phenomenal. I guess the four point five or the, higher. The zero to two and a half is sort of very forgettable and not quite worth your time. The two and a half to three is music. In fact, I think this is what I really want to talk about today. I want to I want to do a verbal review of we have three articles up from earlier uh in our podcast which we where we all described yeah. what our own perception of these ratings really is. Yeah. Uh be it 0, 1, 2, 3, 4 or 5, which is where 
we end because you got to stop somewhere. Uh, and we all have articles. You can look them up earlier on. Each of us described what we feel it is. But I think we should talk about this a little bit verbally and uh, try and hash it out. So, John, pick up where you left off. Well, I think we'll, I think we'll skip over the lower numbers because zero shouldn't be made, period. Shouldn't be performed, period. It is that bad. It is a detriment to our society. In fact, that was a discussion of ours that, well, um, uh, is there a zero rating? That's from a very early episode. Um, and originally I had thought there wasn't. Uh, you actually were able to convince me that it was hate music. Yeah, <laughs> so for the most Music part, that, is, that is where the, the message is actually an opinion that, you know, is for, for, for your reasons, um, is not a great opinion to have. Not and that any opinion is really wrong, but you... you some no, there can some be, are. Some <laughs> are. None some are wrong, but some are. Yeah. Uh, ones would be what? Nazi rock. <laughs> no, ones aren't Nazi rock. No, zero I mean is zeros. Zero is a Nazi rock. Ones would be just basic, very simple, really not worth your time, but childish. Like, we could consider not a even, lot of... because there's children's music of, that's complex and fun. Yeah, but we're going to say Dora the Explorer Childish, isn't. as in trying to... Be trying to live up to the reputation of something where you just are in somewhat of a bubble. Well, let's take for a example a bubble, our... which is like I don't want to dis, dis, uh, dissuade any any musician from you know achieving their goal. But for certain, there are Lamb reasons chops. when we say garage band. Like if you're working in a garage band, that's great. The question is, when do you get out of the garage band? When are you selling records? And when are you making platinum? Uh, selling platinum records off of the same exact stuff, you know, that probably should still be in the garage band. I know that might sound a little bit pretentious, but let's face it, you know, at some point you got to wake up. It's like, it's when we're talking, at some point when you're 29, 30 years old, you need to realize what you want to do with your life. It's like, there is, life is short. We do have brackets, even as much as we want to pretend they don't exist. I mean, I think we can all agree that from one to three... Our ratings are very similar. Not the it's same, just, but similar. Yeah, it's, they're just music. It's, it's, the th- it's the three, four, and five marks where what we're looking for kind of changes. Though then again, I think as we get towards the five, they start to become similar again. Depending. No, they, well, yeah. It because, depends on no, the No, it's album. like what I said before. Yeah, the five, four point five to five is really going to depend on taste. Right. Um, so taste or, or subtle little things. So, so three, two to three range would just be something that you can actually go down the checklist and say, yes, it has everything involving music to some extent. It has a beat. It has a tempo. One. It has instruments. Even as early as one. Yeah. Okay. So if you, if you hit three, then you've just made the checklist. I mean, three essentially is the average. Three is like uh, one of our best average albums or that I think me and Steve rated average John might have rated lower was um, uh, One Republic's new record you know it was okay it hit some notes it was a it was a standard pop record it, it had highs it had lows not falling behind really <laughs> but it wasn't you know, making you, any strides you know you're either. gonna have no uh, mistakes you know you're gonna have an audience yes yeah. no mistakes no, that's no a strides. big thing yeah there you are um, uh, mistakes okay. is kind of a funny one but well now in the three know. to four that's where things are that's where we start saying this is very much music as what would be considered normal. And then it starts adding up. No, I mean, it's, funny phrases. it's just okay music. But then it starts adding up. Well, you have very good lyrics here. You have a great theme here. Yeah, usually these these tend to excel um, in at least one aspect. Yeah. Like, you Something know. Something that touches you. 
so, so definitely something that either touches you or um or yeah, makes your neck hair stand up that kind of right. thing something that it's clear that if that were to de- if that were to develop or be phrased correctly with rest in context then it may very well be a phenomenal album you know yeah. it usually it's you know wonderful singing but maybe the drum work kind of lags behind maybe there's uh maybe there's not such a great idea maybe the lyrics are kind of uh static you know those kind of things or an could incredible surround. an incredible guitarist or an incredible guitar bass combination but they really have nothing to work with in context yeah this is the three to four uh and once you hit four that's when you're starting to see guys that are going to be merging genres in in the interesting beautiful ways that are creating pieces that are very much more along the unique side for for you don't have checklists anymore for you're starting to get true unique pieces yeah there's definitely something uh wholeheartedly original to uh this record by marty stern um 4.5 is is solidly entrenched in the fours it's completely original and it has uh, it showcases its uh talent in almost every area fours are also bands that maybe they're not breaking trends or breaking boundaries but they know what they can do and do what they do well a band like all american rejects who have a specific sound but then have a song like affection which we've talked to death which just breaks down the walls on that album. Affection with Beekeeper's Daughter is just an amazing transition from high kind of... Pop rock. High, high pop rock, high fidelity to soul. Yeah. And, and, it's, so and it's, it's polarizing. And albums that have that polarizing moment, but still throughout the album... Honeybee. You know, Honeybee, yeah. absolutely. That's a song in and of itself that... That's off of uh, Steam Power Giraffe. Or even, or even bands where... where where they they they're within their realm and do well with it, like Eve Six, where I read them really highly because I'm a '90s kid. This is not a, a, any surprise to anyone, and they did what they do so well on that record. Abandoned yeah. Pools, yes, did it as well. Yes, they, it's just you 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 did something special. You are a you are leaps and bounds above the crowd. You I are don't an remember individual. Where, where we put Abandoned Pools? Actually. They were in the four to four. Five. They were in the fours. Were they? Yeah. Well. He was enforced. Let's, now, let's be really, four, really five. specific uh, from 4.5 up. Yes. In fact, I want to go down the line, and this time I'm not, I'm not starting first. Okay, 4.5, I would for consider. You. This, for you. And I think this is what we really have to say for you. Is First, it is something that I'm going to be... That I want to play on repeat. Yep. It's going to be something that is either truly creating new genre styles, or... Taking a genre into a unique spin. That's that's a big thing. If you're going to do rock and roll, I want something that is rock and roll at its core, but is not on its peripherals, is not there. I want something that pushes boundaries. That's a 4-5. That's It's got to be boundary pushing, not just something that's you are an exemplifying a beautiful sound, but is actually changing music, how it's regarded. That's what you're looking at a 4-5. Yeah, making absolutely no concessions, like I'm going to fit a zone and be happy there. And I mean, lot... as, as, as great as that can be, and as, great, as many great things as you can do with that, I, I would have to put that at least um, below 4.5, just because there's... there's 
there's no satisfaction there's a, in the artist's work. And that's the thing. They, and I feel I feel less individuality there. Like I I I have a it's a, it's a scent, you know, for that kind of thing when you feel like you're tra- trying to fit a niche even as well as you do with it. Um 4.5 up is is I would take it further, not just ba- uh, boundary changing, but paradigm shift. Paradigm shift I reserve for the 5. Like yeah, yeah. truly creating not not, you know, going from classic rock and creating psychedelic, but creating rock and roll style music. Like creating a super genre or redefining a super genre. Not just redefining punk, but actually going back and, and saying this is what everything else will be like from now on. This is why the only album that actually has gotten a five is Macklemore. <laughs> you know, that's funny though, because not every band uh, really says that. I mean, many of them are actually very humble about it. I mean, like, this is me. That's what and, I like and doing. That's and actually... yet it has that effect. Even if it's just on you. Even if it's just on one, on one person. But, you know, this is, this is all based on taste. And that's, that's why I consider The Heist by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis to be what hip-hop should be. See, now. See, the 4.5 to 5 is a little different for me. Four point, well, 4.5 is about the same uh, to what John's speaking. The way, the place I change a little bit is on the par- paradigm shift thing. Because to me... Paradigm shift being a five is kind of, duh. Like, of course a paradigm shift is going to be a five. That's obvious. But I don't think a five only has to be a paradigm shift. I don't think it has to be a paradigm shift to be a five. For me, to get to five, and I've given a few more fives than anyone else on the podcast, is because for me, you have to take me on a journey that that artist hasn't previously done and or it's just you have to take me somewhere and so bands like matchbox 20 i think i gave you six or five as well definitely obviously macklemore and ryan lewis you have to take and god sticks and god sticks you have to take me through an emotional ride it doesn't have to necessarily be highs and lows, but you have to take me somewhere. I want to feel like I'm going somewhere with this record. I'm not just listening to music anymore. And if you take me on that journey, you'll get a five from me. Because a band like Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, I still can't listen to that record without crying during Same Love. I, it doesn't matter how many times you hear that song. Same Love and Neon Cathedral actually both still are me. tear jerkers every and time. And starting over. And that's how you know you have a... F- five song a uh, five album same with matchbox 20 there's songs on on their newest record that just took me to places that a lot of albums haven't done the reason that you know a, a, a band like steam power draft who i really like but weren't a five was because songs took me on a journey but the album didn't feel like a cohesive journeys there were fallouts eh, it was a the there's that but, but I mean, they've cultivated a live show that's un- unlike anything else that's out now. Yeah, okay. If you like Steam Powered, you got to see their YouTube videos. Oh, jeez. But I think that's really the defining difference between me and the two of you with fives is I don't need the paradigm shift to be a five. And what really polarized well, now- my, my review style that made me feel more confident and realized I was still doing true to myself was when we reviewed Blah October. And I was so much higher than you guys because on an emotional level, that album went places emotionally that didn't go anywhere else. I'm going to use that as the transition for what I'm going to say here because 4.5 to 5 for me, really, it does 
it's funny because I'm talking about for me, even though for the rest, but it does depend on your what you're feeling at that particular time, what you are feeling yeah. at that particular time, which is why they can vary so much from person to person and even from band to band within the same person. Um, for instance, when it comes to band like, if you're, since you're talking Macklemore, um, I felt like at that particular time in listening to it, you know, regardless of the music and regardless of the fact that there was still very good music, there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of factors working in play in tandem with that album. At the same time, I feel like there was there was the one thing leaping out, which is why it exceeded, you know, perhaps maybe some others on this list, and that was, of course, the meaning for each and every song, the 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 preachiness. It's not every day that I go toward the preachy stuff, but you know, I you have to accept it when you see it. You know, so every once in a while, that is more important. Um, even though usually for me it's not, uh, which is why there is probably only one other band, or a couple of other bands that may have exceeded that. I think that's as tall as Lions and and Godsticks for me, which have gone to four point nine and four point five, and that's because at that particular moment I felt like different things were working at play for me at that moment, and perhaps you know for the rest of my musical career. Um, in what I'm looking to see from other bands, as I, as John said, the paradigm shift. Even though the paradigm shift, I do believe, can start as early as 4.5, Marnie Stern has easily got that for me, to be honest. Um, the upper fives, or the 4.59, the, the five itself, is it comes down to me for... It comes down to... First of all, emotion. That goes without saying. And aesthetic pure originality of the idea and last but not least the overall art form the lack of that selfishness where you're in the moment and you know you just want to put forth the uh you're going to put forth meaning you're going to put forth preachiness you're going to put forth that or you're going to put forth here's a random good idea here's a random good idea things like that but you think of the art form front to back. How will this appear from the first note of the first track to the last note of the last? That's really what it comes down to. I think it's 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 that far-reaching idea is really, that's the separator. But it's so rare to come across because, let's face it, life gets in the way of that. You can't always plan your magnum opus every single time. It's simply not possible. But by sheer accident, some some great musicians will achieve it. The magnum opus. I think that's a great place to kind of wrap up because um, that kind of is a really great way to sum up kind yeah. of how we, where we all come from and we sometimes do very much meet on the same level like we did today, more or less. It's like for that reason you need to be you need to be a meticulous asshole while at the same time have the voice of God at <laughs> reaching to you at that particular moment just to, you know, put up ideas that have never been done before and never will be again so before we start to close up this episode steve will you bring us some spam mail please you know oh well since you said please actually please don't really john no. shush no yeah it's tradition there you go see I, there would have been a contention there but since you both agree i do not write many responses but I did a few searching and wound up in American Breakdown, Electra Heart Chronicles, The Death and Rebirth of the Diva. And I do have a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind. Could it be just me, or does it look like a few of the comments look written by brain-dead visitors? 
And if you're writing at additional places, I'd like to keep up with anything new you have to post. Would you make a list of all of your comment pages, like the Twitter feed, Facebook page, or LinkedIn profile? Check out my website, Discount Codes. That by was, discount codes. No, that was good. That was actually quite subtle up until the end. That's why I liked it, because um, he acknowledged the problem. Our posts are written by brain-dead visitors, a.k.a. spam, of which no. this particular person was not exempt. But he was a self-aware spam bot, and I like that. Yeah, and, and, Self-awareness and is important. No, self-awareness was, is good. That's, was, what, that's what we need to five-star. Five-star, you know, self-awareness. You need to... Be Know what you do? It. He actually asked us for our Twitter and Facebook and all that, so that he could spam us there as well, which I find to be quite ingenious as far as bots go. That's a paradigm shift for bots. Yes, they're becoming self-aware. I really don't like this trend of reviewing the spam mails, but you know, Five nobody stars. listens to me Five anyway. Stars. Five stars. Skynet. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh come on. on! We need some brevity. So for, first and foremost, as I said at the top of the show. By the time this drops, um, our iTunes page should be back up. So go check it out. Subscribe. Write a review. Tell us what you think. Good, bad. I don't care. Just write something. Also, email us. you got questions, comments, send us an email at crashcordsblog at gmail.com. Also, we have a donate button on the website. We're always trying to make strides to make the show better, improve the quality, all that stuff. Make the website better. Give us your money. Then we can make it better. There's that. Not not even not even coy. Not no, even not even a little bit. No, but if you guys, I mean, if you guys donate, we'll ju- it'll just go to making the show better, bringing better quality content, bringing more guests, all of that stuff. Because this podcast comes out of our pockets. Um, finally, um, the big news we've been promoting for weeks now. The next show, we have Painless Parker on. He's gonna play some live songs for us, chat with us, and he's bringing us an album. The album he wants us to review is the newest record by Carolina Chocolate Drops called Leaving Eden. So none of us have have listened to to Carolina Chocolate Drops, although the name sounds familiar, so I may have and not remember. Either way, um, this is the album that uh, Painless Parker is bringing to us next week. So We're going to hash this out. And we get to have a guest rating. We're going to have a talk about mandolins. Yes. Oh, yes. We will have our... Well, this is actually a planned uh, topic because we're going to talk about everything guitar-related. Yes. um, As it is one of the most important instruments. Um, And fonts. We'll talk about fonts. It's a reoccurring topic. It's not a reoccurring topic. You just bring it up because he had a rant about it on the Wasties podcast. No, we keep bringing up the fact that he had a rant about it on the Wasties. He likes fonts. He does. He does like fonts. Anyway... On that note, music is life and, and life, life is, is good. good. Have a humdiddy do good time.